Well, hello all, Mike Falkenstein here with 1A Catalyst. Together with my friend Steve Shermer of Silk Road Catalyst, I'm one of the co-hosts of Missions Talk. Missions Talk is a show where we have regular media content on best practices and inside looks into what God is doing around the world in missions, featuring guests that are involved in global missions from parachurch organizations, churches, and other missions networks around the world. We have a deep heart to help you find ways to reach your world for Christ. And on today's episode, we continue the conversation with Matthew Ellison and Denny Spitters on Is Every Christian a Missionary? Getting into the ins and outs of missionaries and missionary care. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this, the latest episode of Missions Talk. And uh, I'm Mike Falkenstein, and I direct a ministry called 1-8 Catalyst here in Denver. And I'm here again with my co-host, Steve Shermer. And Steve, we are having a great conversation with Denny Spitters and Matthew Ellison, the co-authors of a book called When Everything is Missions, aren't we? We are. And we, you know, like every episode, we come up with questions that we want to ask our guests when we have them on. Or if it's just the two of us talking. And right. uh, like you like you said, off air, we were very ambitious with five questions <laughs> for the four of us to That's have right. this kind of conversation. So we decided uh, in the middle of recording uh, the original episode that we were going to have to split this in half. Uh, otherwise, right. it was going to be very long. So <laughs> anyways, this has been a great conversation so far. I'm looking it forward has. to everyone hearing about uh, what we're about to talk about, what we're about to share about. And I am definitely grateful for Danny and for Matthew for giving up of their time because uh, like all of us, they're super busy. And that's right. They're passionate about this subject. Um that's right. And, you know, I was just thinking, Steve, part of this for us is, uh, you know, uh, when you get people like Denny and Matthew that are, you know, so passionate about this topic, it's just easy to, I mean, just like you and I, we get talking about uh, different missionary topics and missions topic and biblical, theo- you know, theological topics. And it's just really easy to, you know, when you got a passion for this, you know, you can, you can go and uh, for some time. And so, um, you know, so in this episode, we're going to, we've got a couple more questions for them and it's really kind of in the area of, okay, with missionary care, you know, do, do everyone that is, um, reaching out to others that don't have Jesus. Yeah. We all need care, but what's kind of the, what's kind of the magic sauce in terms of, you know, missionary care as it relates to those that are sent, being sent overseas and you know, I think you've had some personal experience with that. And so, yeah, we're, um, yeah, we're, we're excited to have them here to continue the conversation. And I would say quickly that if you're joining us now for this episode without hearing the one we did a couple weeks ago, mm. um, at some point, go back and listen to that one because it'll kind of, you'll kind of be able to piece it all together, I think. And because this is really a continuation of the conversation that we've had. And so, yeah, Steve, they really need um, to hear the first one before they hear this yeah. one. Yeah, that's right. And so go to, um, you're probably watching this either on the YouTube channel we have or uh, the Facebook page. And so go back and watch that one as well. And uh, you'll be able to hear the introduction that they give to, you know, fully their ministries and you know why they've written these books and whatnot so yeah go back and listen to that so for now let's just uh, uh, let's just join in the continuing conversation we've had with denny and matthew
Well, uh, Matthew and Denny, thank you for this great conversation. I'm so glad we get to have the abundance of your time. I'm so, so appreciative of that. And so great conversation. Uh, my next question for you is, I know you guys have talked about and, you know, advocated that there's a level of self-denial um, that those who are called to go overseas have. And obviously that's true because, you know, when you're, you know, when you're leaving friends and family and you're maybe selling your house and I mean, it's, it's a big deal. On the other hand, we do know in Luke chapter nine that, you know, we're all as Christians called to deny ourselves, right? And one of the uh, uh, chapters in a book I wrote on the six marks of a disciple of Jesus is actually that uh, a disciple denies himself daily. And so um, uh, I'm curious the what distinction you guys would make between uh, the, the self-denial that a missionary makes versus the denial that we all as Christians uh, should be doing uh, as a response to the, uh, the teaching we see from Jesus. No doubt about it. We, we are all called to take up our cross daily and, and follow after Jesus. And, uh, you know, using that, if I can use Luke 9 as the text for that, of course, that Definitely. shows up in the Gospels a couple of times. But it's really interesting to me that he says, you know, if you want to save your life, you lose it. But if you lose your life, you find it. Um, if you lose it for the sake of the gospel and my name, you find your life. It's the paradox of Christianity. I think one of the challenges is we we misteach that passage. There's no question that there is a self-denial. I mean, Jesus says it right there, but he also points it out as the pathway to joy. And some of the best life available to us this side of heaven comes when we suffer and sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. So one thing I would say, we need to teach that as an appeal to joy. When we teach self-denial, we should be saying, listen, we're not telling you this to call you away from joy in life, but to it. Because counter, in, you know, it's counterintuitive, it's counter to your own heart, but that's where joy can be found. So that's one thing. I think we need to communicate that. Um, but, but I would say when, when you compare the difference of daily self-denial we face versus the type of challenges, and again, we'll take missionaries serving among the unreached, it's different. Um, you mentioned the selling of a home. You mentioned taking your children into a place where maybe there's war or, you know, there's incredible social unrest. Now, granted, we're experiencing that here, too, but not to the degree that those working, again, we'll use Myanmar, we'll, we'll use some may, maybe locations in the Middle East. And the question I would say is this. In your daily self-denial, taking up your cross and doing the work of the disciple in our context, if you share your faith publicly, might you be imprisoned? Might you be beheaded? And now, again, granted, the, the dangers associated with loving and following Jesus are on the rise globally. But currently in our context, and it has been this way for the last couple of hundred years, you're not going to lose your life. You might be ridiculed. There may be gossip and slander. You could lose your job, in fact, okay, mm. depending on who your employer is. But you're not going to go to jail. And you're not going to get beheaded. Well, our brothers and sisters who are serving in the context we just talked about, Myanmar, Syria, etc., they could die, literally. They could be imprisoned. And I think we need to see the sacrifice they make, um, again, bestowing honor on that, but as an encouragement for us to be more courageous and self-sacrificing in our context. Look, 
if our missionaries can do that at great risk to their lives and welfare, can we not do it in our own context? So just a couple thoughts there in relation to that. There is a distinction. It is different. Um, but we can use the example of those frontline workers as a way to stimulate and motivate our own people. Yeah, I, Matthew, that's really, really important question for us to ask ourselves. I have to ask myself that, um, you know, there's definitely a grounded level at the foot of the cross. We are all disciples and self-denial is taking up my cross daily. Um, but the level of sacrificing commitment with those who have an apostolic calling, uh, a missionary calling, have to bear up under is very different. And that doesn't make, again, missionaries better than members of the, of the rest of the church body. But it's not the same sacrifice. Mm. And, and I'm, I'm thinking of Peter being restored. And, of course, he tells Peter, this is what's going to happen to you. And what does Peter do? Hey, what about him? <laughs> Pointing to John, what about that guy? And he's like, <laughs> hey, uh, what I have for him, I'll have you concentrate on you, so to speak. Um, mm. I, I think what the question really should be about this idea of sacrifice, why do we, in such a narcissistic, individualized individual worshiping, actually, kind of gospel-privileged United States Church seems so dispassionate and disinterested in mobilizing and sending workers who are willing to go to these places, to peoples who could find out about Jesus and could really come to know him. Um, why are we not motivated by that? Why doesn't that sacrifice be something that we're wearing on our shoulders? Um, most Christians are not missionaries. We are missionary mobilizers and supporters. And Acts 13, 1 to 3 is a great example of this biblically, of how the Holy Spirit called, spoke, raised up. We know it was Paul and Barnabas and John Mark because he got sent home halfway through or left. And um, so this whole idea of I really appreciated your question. You said something like none of us get to live the life we want to have. Mm -hmm. We must take up our cross daily. And my question would be to those of us in a country that's so incredibly wealthy, um, why, why are we not bearing up under this? And like Steve mentioned, uh, educating people as to not only the incredible opportunity we have, but the huge gap that we could be filling mm -hmm. with the wealth uh, of opportunities, resources that we have. Um, it's, it's sad. It's very sad. And we need mm -hmm. to ask ourselves that question. All right. You know, maybe you guys have been on an airplane flight before when you have our, um, people in uniform, military service, an announcement will be made, you know, give them first class seats or let's honor these men and women who've sacrificed. No one gets uptight about that. No one goes, well, I sacrificed too, you know. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there, there's an honor bestowed upon them because of their service to democracy and the country. 
And I, I think we need to recognize that there is a level of self-sacrifice and self-denial that our frontline missions workers face that is also worthy of a first-class seat, if you will, you know, in a sense. Um, not, not super saints, but honoring their commitment to the gospel is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And again, when you highlight the sacrifice of your missionaries, I think it'll inspire self-sacrifice of those that right. have you know, right. Paul, Paul, again, writing to the church in Philippi, he calls Epaphroditus, um, who brings this love gift to Paul, the missionary. Epaphroditus was maybe was a short term missionary. OK, but he, he sent the love gift from Philippi to Paul and he, he calls him a fellow soldier for the truth. Oh. So, you know, he honors Paul, the missionary. He says, honor Epaphroditus because he brought your love to me. So we need to really hold and honor the mission of God. That's really what's it about. You know, the king and, and then all who serve him um, have a role to play. That's great. Uh, I'm seeing a trend here, guys. And the trend, it seems to me like, is uh, as disciples of Jesus, we are all called to take up our cross daily. Uh, we're all called to proclaim the gospel. We're all called to be a part of this meta narrative. Um, and maybe, I don't know if you'd say leading the way in that, or, you know, maybe as a special role, missionaries do those things, you know, in other cultures and other contexts as a part of also being disciples. Is that a, is that a fair analogy? Tip of the spear. There's a movie, right? Or end of the spear. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what it was called. They're the end of the spear. They're penetrating the dark places. We need people to pull back the bow and, you know, shoot it out. But, yeah, they're the leading edge of this. Mm. So just, uh, people who are missionaries are also, they're, they're doing the things that all disciples of Jesus are called to do. They're just doing it in this, in this role overseas, right? Yeah, I, I think the, the, the operative word here is obedience. I know it's a word that I don't like and most of us mm-hmm. don't like. But the bottom line here is the Holy Spirit speaks to them. It's confirmed and affirmed in a local church. Acts 13 shows this so well. It's affirmed by leaders. And uh, as they're fasting, praying, and worship, they're even told where to go and how how to go out. So um, this is a process of obedience is everybody called to be on that missionary team? Obviously not. But how are we all being obedient mm. to exactly what David Platt says? We're not all missionaries, but we are all on, you could say, the mission. How are we being obedient right. to that end and making the sacrifices that God wants? I mean, this is not just about money. This takes incredible prayer. This takes a level of intercessory prayer that most of us in Western nations, especially North America, have lost or have no kind of grasp of. And, um, you know, this that's what it takes to have the whole package of being sent well. And you see in Paul's letters his his deep appreciation not just for money, that, you know, it was that you're standing with me in the gospel. I know that you're praying for me and that your prayers will amount to, I, I, I mean, these things, 
unfortunately, we are, are, are losing as we're just saying, well, let's just call everybody a missionary. And it's like, whoa, wait a second. Um, we begin to kind of indirectly, if not directly, lose the very thing that God even wants to use in our own context to make us passionate salt and light for the gospel. Mm, that's great. Well, Steve, your uh, the last question that we have for the uh, the guys here kind of follows up with that, doesn't it? Yeah, as they were talking, I was thinking about my experience uh, on the field. You know, taking my family, selling everything, almost you know, selling ninety percent of our belongings in our three bedroom house in Texas, shipping the rest to Florida to to where my in laws were at at the time, and then moving abroad, having to buy new furniture. I know some some missionaries, their threat is physical, you know, the, the threat of death or martyrdom or something. Where we lived in East Asia, the biggest threat was probably health issues. Uh, you know, going from a clean environment that we're in, pollution, you know, pollution-wise to an environment that could, um, you know, stay there a few years and you're going to be a chain smoker. I mean... Probably the, the, the people with the safest lungs are those smoking with filters because at least they've got the filter. Um, but yeah, there is a, you know, there is a level of sacrifice um, just in affirming what they said that I know missionaries have to have to accept to do the job that we don't endure here. I mean, there is sacrifice here in the U.S., but the level definitely multiplies and increases when you move abroad and specifically to, uh, you know, specifically like the area of the 1040 window, places like that. And so that leads into the final question of care. You know, all believers need care. We all need people holding us accountable. We all need people who will look after us, whether we're here in the U.S. or abroad. The level of care that missionaries need versus my, you know, my fellow church members here in South Carolina are not equal in many respects, or maybe the intensity is different. I, I don't know if you would say the care is, um, the need is different, but the intensity, uh, maybe the specific aspects or components of it is different. Um, you know, what would you say about care? How would you relate it to missionaries uh, as we're defining it versus the average Christian who just stays in their local community here in the U.S.? Yeah, I, I think... There's a recurring theme here, right? Um, we're coming back to the same passage of Scripture, which is great because I think we don't remember things until we've heard them four or five times. <laughs> but I'm going to circle back to Third John, Steve, because I, I think it is the most incredible missionary care letter ever written. And um, again, if you didn't listen to the last episode, this is part two here. We talked about Third John, um, you know, th this great saint commending Gaius. And he says, I, I want everything to go well with you and prosper for you. When I heard about what you did, I rejoiced. And then he explains what Gaius did. And Gaius um, took care of itinerant missionaries. The, these itinerant missionaries went before the church and they testified of Gaius's care. And what Gaius had done, um, you know, we don't know exactly, but he probably pulled them into his house. He probably fed them. He cared for them. And, and John says to him, Gaius, you will do well to send these workers um, on their journey in a manner worthy of God's name because they've gone out for the sake of the name among the Gentiles. This is important, accepting nothing. 
if we send missionaries who are in want and in need, now granted, we can't minimize all the challenges of the field, but if the very people we sent to be this gospel outposts are not being supplied through the church, they're going to end up needing things from the people they're trying to reach, if that makes sense. So one of the ways that we demonstrate um, our, our love for Christ and the gospel is care for these missionaries in a manner worthy of God's name so that they do not lack. That's what John actually says. Uh, make sure they don't lack. Why? Because they have accepted nothing. They've gone out for the sake of the name among the Gentiles. And um, again, I've already said this, but he says, do it in a manner worthy of God's name. And, and Steve, you mentioned that you were out there and you got money. That was about it. That's not in a manner worthy of God's name. Mm. Churches who send missionaries should ask this question. Do our missionaries lack? Now, again, you can't minimize all the risks. You can't mitigate all the challenges. But if they are in that mode of lack, you know, that they lack, then they're not able to do the work they're called to do. And another question I think churches should ask is, are we doing it in a manner worthy of God's name? Shoddy missionary care does not magnify the name of Jesus, according to 3 John. But when you do it in a manner worthy of God's name, it glorifies the name. And that's what it's all about. They've gone out for the sake of the name among the Gentiles accepting nothing. So if you uh, listen to episode one, I'm a bit of a broken record here, but I, I think third John is the go-to passage on the importance of care, doing it right, doing it well. Uh, both the book of Philippians as well. Did anyone add to that? Unfortunately, because we work with churches on my team regular and we see kind of what happens from both those being sent and those uh, who are sending them, uh, fewer and fewer churches communicate with all the communication tools we have. We're on one today, Skype. We've got all these communication tools. Uh, often churches um, are the most disconnected from the very people they send. Um, and I, my challenge to churches would be, if you're going to send someone and you're going to be uh, the one affirming and confirming their call uh, to go to an unreached place and to serve for the sake of the name of Christ and the gospel. Stop and ask yourself, are we only going to do this by proxy? We write a check. Oh, yeah, we pray for them once in a while. Where are they again? I... And uh, so they're out of sight, they're out of mind, they're not communicated with on a regular basis, they're uh, disconnected from their home fellowship that has taken the responsibility to send them out. Uh, please, if you're a church or a church leader doing this, I would implore you, um, the encouragement that's needed in those contexts exceeds by many, many times all of the discouraging things that we have in the context of the wealthiest nation in the history of time on the face of the earth. Please, don't proxy these people out and say, well, the agency will take care of it. Well, we will do our best. Uh, well, that'll all happen out there um, on the field with their team. Well, teams do their best. But they need your support, not just your money. They need right. you. They need you 
they need that relationship. So um, thanks for sharing that um, and uh, appreciate the whole idea that we're talking about this issue because we see plenty of people come back in a relatively short amount of time, often because they are very discouraged and they were abandoned by their church when they got to the field. A couple of examples come to mind here real quick. Um, last comment here in relation to this, but two churches we worked with over the last few years have deployed teams to work among the unreached. And these churches took to heart what that meant. They owned the responsibility of sending in a man worthy of God's name. These people they sent were you know, affirmed by the spirit, validated by elders of the church. When they commissioned their missionary teams, they also commissioned their missionary sending teams, if you will. Um, it was you know, all hands on deck type thing. And they said, this is our team going out. This is our team that's gonna be the supply line um, representing this whole body, you know, there's a handful of people selected. They're going to represent the supply line. Long story short, I've interacted with these teams now, um, one serving in West Africa, one serving in the Middle East. And it's really interesting. Um, they've said, we received such care from our sending church. We've stopped interacting with our contemporary missionaries on field about the care we receive because it just discourages them. We are receiving a level of care that is so foreign to these folks that we realize we couldn't talk about the way we we're being blessed by our sending church. Wow. I, I would say, again, um, circling back all that we said, esteem the role of the goer, esteem the role of the sender and the supporter, all hands on deck. If you're listening to this and you have missionaries on the field that you've sent, be the church that is receiving, you know, I mean, that is giving such care to your missionaries that they're hesitant to talk to their contemporaries about that care, if that makes sense. I, I wish mm. those missionaries were receiving good care, but be that church that is so lavish in your love for God's glory and, you know, for for your love for the gospel that your missionaries are just, they, they know, they know they're cared for. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And I just I, want to add to that before, before Mike takes over and closes out. And, you know, God's grace, he, he has landed me in a church that even though we live here in the States, they are they're taking well care of us, not just uh, giving us money, but like uh, Danny said, the care, we've got to care. That's what I keep emphasizing. It's what I told the group last night in sending. Yes, we've got to give money. It's important. It's critical. We can't pay for flights. We can't pay for apartments. We can't, you know, there's ministry activities and expenses that are out there. So money is needed. But the most critical component of sending is we've got to actually care. The missionary needs to know that we care. Now, maybe it's unintentional in our, you know, out of sight, out of mind. We don't understand all that they're going through because we've never done that. Maybe would would be what a missions committee or a pastor might be thinking. You know, my missionary friends with many organizations uh, in our city, the ones I saw that were, I would say, healthiest in terms not just not just those who are producing out numbers or statistics or anything like that or trainings, but those who were emotionally and mentally healthy. You could tie back that they had a church that was doing their level best to engage with them and to care for them, not just ask them about what's going on in ministry, but asking about their family. How can we serve you? What, you know, sending care packages. I mean, we live in the States and we got a care package yesterday. 
from one of our church partners. And I can't tell you how encouraging that is. It was just a care package of candy. That's all it was. But it was encouraging to us. And when we got them living in Asia, it was incredibly encouraging then, even though I knew it was partly because it's so expensive. Easily spend five or fifty to a hundred dollars on just getting the package to you, depending on how heavy it is. And then, you know, usually the the shipping costs more than the contents. But for the missionary, the contents were worth their weight in gold. You know, even if it's a box of mac and cheese or a Dr. Pepper can, you know, who you know, whatever. And but yeah, it is I love that you said that, Danny, because the care is the most critical component, I think, of sending from a church perspective, of just letting know that the missionaries are sending out that we care. I I always tell people this, you know, my wife used to work with the IMB, you know, and I'm sure it's true with a lot of organizations. When the missionary leaves the organization, and I don't know about pioneers, but I know from her experience, you do lose a lot of that member care resource. Uh, Maybe it's not immediate, maybe it's over time, sometimes it's immediate, but you do lose that. And what you have to fall back on is your church. But if you don't have your church to fall back on, I've seen people leave their church. And, and so, yeah, I just wanted to emphasize that since we got on that point. It is something I'm very passionate about. Mm. Um, you know, my wife is a member. She, you know, she's got a master's in counseling. Member care is her thing. And I've grown into loving it and understanding by a negative experience the need for it. And so I just appreciate you guys um, sharing your thoughts on that and your experience. Yeah, the question would be, how can we send people that don't just survive, but thrive? Mm. Well, uh, Denny and Matthew, we have just taken so much of your time. I'm so appreciative of the, uh, the time you've given us. And clearly, we could probably talk about this uh, these topics for another hour or so. Only because we all have a heart for, you know, all of these things. And uh, so uh, I'm just so thankful. Both Steve and I are so thankful for your time. Um, Before we let you go, give folks any kind of, here's how to get in touch with us. Here's where the book resources are available. Any kind of, you know, touch points you want to give folks. uh, Go ahead and do that for both of you. Well, they can go to whenevertheringismissions.com. And they're going to get access to the podcast or they can subscribe to our podcast wherever they get their podcast. But there's a link on there. The podcasts are actually housed on that website. They can buy book one when everything is missions, book two conversations on when everything is missions. You can buy them individually or there's a package deal. And then uh, you can visit 1615.org to learn more about 1615. Danny, how about Pioneers? Yeah, pioneers.org. We have a section for churches there, um, Mm -hmm. and I would encourage you to take a look at that. Uh, If you're a church and you're wondering where you would begin possibly to send, we have something called the Greenhouse, and Mm -hmm. it's a monthly kind of process of this is the basics of how to send. Um, And also uh, we have something called the Church Partner Forum, which Matthew has spoken at many times, and is scheduled to speak at our next one in November. That's a free event to churches. Up to four people can come for free. We house you. We feed you. We focus on what does it mean to be an engaged sending church. Mm, That's great. And uh, you said that was in September? Uh, It's in November. Oh, Uh, November. Okay. 
yeah, two, three, four November. That's great. Well, we'll uh, yeah, we can put a link to that as well because that sounds really exciting. So, and uh, Central well, Florida is not a bad place to be in November either. I was just thinking the same thing. That's right. Uh, it'd be a good time to be there. <laughs> so, well, thanks, guys. Sure, appreciate your uh, your time. Uh, we thank you all for joining us. Uh, and uh, yeah, be sure to share this content uh, with your church leaders and folks that you think would be would benefit from it. Uh, we're so thankful that you've joined us, and uh, we'll look forward to having you on the next episode of Missions Talk. To find out more about Missions Talk or to watch previous episodes, please go to facebook.com forward slash missions talk. It is on our Facebook page that we have the catalog of all of our episodes. To find out more about my organization, 18 Catalyst, please go to 18catalyst.org. And to find out about Steve's work with Silk Road Catalyst, please go to silkroadcatalyst.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to having you with us on the next episode of Missions Talk.